You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As far as Pete Alonso is concerned, let's spend some time on Pete. Pete Alonso is having a terrible, terrible season. It is no longer a slump. It's no longer a, hey, it's been a while. He is just flat out having a bad season. His comments after the game, which I can see why a Met fan would criticize. If you didn't see it, it was basically Pete saying about the positives he takes out of the finale. You know, the positives of that RBI single, the positives of his, I think he called it swing decisions, which sounds like a very Aaron Boone thing. I like our swing decisions recently. I think those are the quotes of a guy that is just trying to figure it out. He is having a stretch of baseball that is probably the worst he's ever had in his career. I hadn't felt like he had taken out to his defense. He has made a couple of defensive mistakes recently. Are they associated? Like, is he taking his offense out to the field? Maybe it's possible. But right now we are witnessing a guy that the Mets need to be productive. They need to be one of their best hitters struggle big time. And I don't think there's anything you can do about it. I don't think there's a, a magic elixir. Am I ready to drop him? No, like, because if you drop him in the lineup, the, the retort would be, okay, who's it in cleanup? Hey, who deserves Francisco Alvarez, by the way, is the only answer. Like that's, that's it. If you're listening right now and you're screaming Francisco Alvarez, you're right. And that's the only answer. Okay, so if you want to go, now Tommy Pham may miss a couple of days, so let's leave him out. If you want to go Nimmo, Lindor, Alvarez, fine. But Alonzo's still going to be hitting fourth or fifth. Like, you're not dropping him to eighth. You know, you're not moving Mark Canna to the fifth spot. You're not moving, who are you moving up? So I think right now, Pete, you got to run him out there every day, and you just hope he figures it out. That's it. So. So the one thing, and we haven't really touched on it yet, and I'm not sure if this is the podcast to do it on. You know, obviously the trade deadline's coming up, and you said this last week or last episode where it's like you, everyone, you, there's no one that shouldn't be on the table. But the reality of is it something you would do right now to trade Pete Alonzo? No. Is that is that something you could realistically no. swallow? No, I hate it. And we got a few emails about it, so let's get to it. And then we'll respond. Both of us will. Michael uh, Tansack writes, and this was from Tuesday. Is Pete really the guy we want to pay $200 million to to play first base for the next eight years? Normally, I'd say sure, no brainer. However, he's increasingly becoming a hard guy to root for. The guy provokes the Braves while his team is floundering. He then promptly gets plunked. Our season really nosedived at that point. He then rushes back only to give us non-competitive at-bats. Oh, and then he rushes to join the home run derby instead of resting his obviously bothersome wrist. Really, Pete? A fourth straight derby? What exactly are you trying to prove? 
That combined with his stupid cursing, humping antics on the field and his past of the field branding efforts like his dumb YouTube channel or designer shoes, which I got to tell you, I'm not that familiar with. He seems to care more about his brand than winning. Oh, yeah. He's been awful since April 22nd. Trade, extend, or let him walk after the year. Uh, Here's another one. Jimmy Kearney writes, do you think Buck Showalter should sit Pete Alonso? This was before Thursday's game. On Thursday, before the trip to Boston, because he's an over away from dropping under 200. Nick Stasiak writes, when does Pete Alonso start facing some criticism? He's been atrocious this season. Lindor's had one bad week, and this fan base wants him DFA. Alonzo's been horrendous for almost three months now, and there's not a peep from the fan base or the media. Jimmy Kearney, who talked about Alonzo's batting average, wrote, should they trade Pete Alonzo? His meaningless RBI single in the eighth aside, his first three at-bats on Thursday were weak and barely competitive. Pete started with his error that in that sixth inning. Pete's headed to Boston on the verge of dipping below below 200. I love Pete. I think he should have been extended over the offseason. But my question is, what's Pete's trade value right now? The rule is you don't trade low, but he's Pete Alonzo, right? What could he bring back at this point? Could Steve Cohen convince Pete to part ways amicably with full confidence Cohen will be there when he hits free agency? This looks more than a slump. This looks like a mental wear and tear from years of great personal achievements and awful team disappointments culminating with the end of last season and what continued into this season. I hate the term change of scenery, but maybe he needs to get away from the Mets while they figure their crap out. All right. So my point to this is the idea of trading Alonzo or ripping Alonzo. It's obviously out there. I think to Jimmy's point, the thought of trading Pete Alonso as he's going through the worst slump of his career is absolute lunacy. I'm sorry. Now, you want to have a discussion about is he worth $200 million? Do you want to pay him? That's fine. We can have that discussion. It's a worthy debate. But for people in the midst of this horrific slump to say, get rid of him, he sucks. That is that's a terrible idea. Does he still have trade value? Yeah, he has trade value. Does he have as much trade value as if he was having a normal Pete Alonso season? No. I, I hate the idea of trading him right now. I wouldn't. I don't think the Mets are. I, 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 I'm disgusted by the thought because it feels reactionary. That's the way it feels. It feels as if people are pissed at the way he's playing, which we all should be. He's not playing well. And thinking the answer is to trade him. It is not the answer to trade him. Not now. Not when he's almost under 200. We all know he's been having an awful year. That's why this uh, the email from Nick, who said, when is he going to face criticism? He is facing criticism. Now, if your question is, why is he not being booed at City Field? Uh, this is a debate we could have about many a player over many years. Homegrown guys will face the boos. It takes longer for them to face the boos than the guy who is a star elsewhere and got paid $35 million a year and underachieved early on. 
David Wright wasn't going to get booed as quickly as Carlos Beltran. He wasn't. Jacob DeGrom was not going to get his boot as quickly as Max Scherzer. <laughs> He's not. Uh, and so Pete Alonso, who's a homegrown guy who came up immediately and won rookie of the year and set the all, you know, rookie home run record. We all know he's struggling right now. No one is denying that. No one is defending the way he's playing right now, but he's not going to face the same heat as the superstar that was acquired. I, I think it's pretty simple. That doesn't mean he isn't facing criticism. It doesn't mean people aren't realizing that he is having the worst year of his career and certainly the worst two months of his career. That aspect I disagree with. He is facing criticism. And talking about the offseason and trading him and not extending him, that will be a worthy discussion. But to trade him in the midst of the worst slump of his career right now I hate the thought of that. And it bothers me when Met fans and Yankee fans do that. Like, now's the time to trade the guy who's having the worst year of his career. How about you do it when he's coming off a big year? Then you'll really maximize the guy's value. Well, a couple things. First of all, the reason why people are deflecting the Pete Alonso more now is because you can't complain about Lindor anymore. Like, he's getting his average back up. He's still set to hit, like, 30 home runs and 100-plus RBIs. The fact that Pete Alonso really has been stuck on the home runs where he is right now since he got since he hurt his wrist, since he got hit by a pitch, he really hasn't done anything. But the couple defenses here, first of all, his defense – you could complain about recently he's had a couple errors, a couple, couple moments. I don't know if it's included in today, but on record, he has four errors right now in the season. Maybe right. fifth with the one today. So do you want to sit there and be like, oh, he's defensively you know, awful. He's, he's, uh, he's terrible. First of all, you and I have talked about how, how much he's improved. I know he's made some bad plays in big spots recently. But it's not like it's been like that all season long. So that's the first thing. Second of all, you like you're talking about, like Pete Alonso right now, let's trade him. I mean, you could also look at Jeff McNeil. Brandon Nimmo, he, he's been the maybe the, the actual person that's been staying strong the whole entire season. But between McNeil, Marte, you go up and down this lineup, it's not very productive overall. So to sit there and look at the one player who, yes, he's supposed to be a leader, but why you look at the – there's other people that are getting paid way more money that should be more of a, this guy needs to go before Pete Alonso. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I also don't necessarily agree with, well, he rushed himself back. He went to the home run derby. He's a bad guy. He cares more about his brand. I don't buy it. I think Pete Alonso's pressing right now. I think he wants to perform. He wants to hit. He wants to win. The other thing I don't agree with, and it was cited, I, I I forget if it was in an email to, to Rico Bronia or it was a phone call on WFN, I apologize, was comparing this to 07, 08, 09 and the old debates me and Francesca used to have about the core being rotten. What was so weird about the Mets in 07 and 08 is that they were a good team. They had productive seasons from their star players and they found a way late to choke. Specifically in 07, but they lost a hard-fought pennant race in 2008, and obviously they crumbled in 2009. The Mets right now are not choking necessarily in that they're just shitty. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think that's different. Like, it's easy to understand why the Mets are bad. You can explain it. Pete Alonso is having the worst year of his career. Jeff McNeil is now having the worst year of his career. Though 2021 was pretty bad, too. Their starting pitching doesn't go deep enough. Their bullpen is trash. We can easily define that the performances aren't good enough. I don't think it's something that's undefinable. There's something wrong in the locker room. There's something wrong with the core. Pete Alonzo's not the right guy. It's performance. I don't think it's something that, you know, we're trying to find. I think there was a lot of that in 07 and 08. Let's change the manager. What's wrong with this core? What's wrong with this team? They're good, but they're finding a way to collapse down the stretch. This team is just having an all-around bad, bad season. Francisco Lindor was on Mookie Betts' podcast. I ended up listening to the entire hour. I thought there was a lot of interesting things. Uh, It was pretty entertaining. I thought Mookie did a pretty good job. I thought Francisco was very endearing. There were two clips I cut that I sent to Hoff because I said, all right, I think this is interesting for the audience. Number one, his reaction to the Steve Cohen press conference from a month ago. So we have the clip. Here's Francisco Lindor talking about our wonderful owner and that day. If you remember what happened that day, Steve Cohen announced the day earlier he was going to meet the media. It was in the midst of their struggles. This is what Lindor said about that and the owner, Steve Cohen. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How do you feel about that? How was the, the, the clubhouse kind of when that went on, like when he said that? Yeah, no, it, that press conference, he kept it so. When he said it was at a press conference, mm-hmm. he had a press conference, mm-hmm. and um, he kept it very professional. He kept it real. He um, and when you educating the subject, most of the time you're gonna be in tune with what's happening, right? You know, and I respected it. I, I thought it was a great press conference, um, and he's right. Right, got to play better. Yeah, you know, we got to play better. I said it yesterday too. Um, front offices can put the best team together in, in, on paper. Yep. But if us, the players, don't execute and don't come out and, and do the job, it's not the best team. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Francisco Lindor agreed that it's on the players. We need to be better. As we just discussed, you've got a lot of guys having bad seasons. So the players and Lindor himself took Steve Cohen talking honestly about the players underperforming well. They haven't exactly responded to it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as if everybody's having a better season because most guys aren't. The other thing, and I found this much more interesting, was the whole booing thing. Because remember when Lindor came over here in 2021, he found himself in the uh, controversy of him and Baez giving all the Met fans the thumbs down, and he was hearing a lot of boos early on. He hasn't really heard a lot of boos this year. There may have been 
sports talk radio debate about Francisco Lindor, but at the ballpark, that has not translated. He has not heard a lot of boos. There's been a sprinkle of them, but I don't think he has necessarily been a target. I think the team has heard it when they've underperformed on certain nights, when there's been lifeless offensive performances, but I have not gotten the impression that Lindor has really gotten the treatment from Met fans this season, and it's tough to, because overall his home run and RBI numbers are pretty good. But here's what he said about being booed in New York City. Because I couldn't understand in the beginning. I got booed um, essentially two months. <laughs> two months every day. <laughs> okay. You know, and I could, I made my the fair amount of my mistakes. You yeah, know? I wasn't sure. hitting. And so, it. you know, they, they're doing it. I wasn't performing. They're, they're, they're letting me have it. Um, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I, 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 I'm like the thought that I always had was, man, I'm giving everything I got. I'm trying to put up a great show for for my family, for the fans, for the organization, and for myself. It's just not. It, it, it's. I just it's not translating, mm-hmm. and I was making the mistakes, and and then I finally understood. I talked to a lot of veteran people, veteran players, and I talked to a lot of people that played the game here, and they said. And I also had conversations with people that were just fans. Okay. Um, and they said, we just want the results. You could be anybody. And if the results, the results are not there, you're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. And that changed, changed my mindset. It was like, oh, I, I got it. I got it. So I could get a base hit, they'll cheer, and I could strike out or roll over into a double play, and they're going to boo me. Or they're just going to be mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got it. It's the results. It's the it, it's yeah, I'm the one that's putting the the results. Yep. However, but it's most likely the result. And then when they see me in the street, they're going to say hello. Yeah. You that's know? exactly it. Yeah, and yeah. And I that kind of yep. I said, man, I I'll play hard. I'll do whatever I got to do every day. I I just got to be better. Yeah. I've been saying that ever since I got here. I just got to be better. I just got to be I probably say it the rest of my career. So, so how do you be- that It's so funny and so simple. So Francisco Lindor essentially says, I didn't understand why they were booing me. I'm trying really hard. That's what he basically said. Like, yeah, I know I'm not playing well and I'm not perfect, but I'm trying hard. Why are they booing me? And by talking to fans, which I love, and guys who played here, it finally hit him after talking to them. They just want me to play well. So... For Francisco Lindor, and I, I don't think he's listening to Rico Bronia, but there were two reasons New York Met players get booed, and, I, and I'll attach names to it as well. There's guys who don't try. There are guys who don't hustle, and I'll give you a specific moment and specific play. Ricky Henderson in 2000, we think of him in 1999, but he was actually on the Mets in 2000 for the first uh, brief part of the year. He had a double off the left field fence and he thought it was a home run and he did his dance and he ended up at first base and he got booed so loudly. Now think about it. Result was there. Hit the ball off the wall. He did not run. There were other times where Ricky didn't run. Bobby Bonilla did not hustle, acted like he didn't care, had that smile on his face. Those guys were booed because of lack of effort. Guys are booed because of lack of effort. Then there are guys 
Doesn't matter how hard they try. Lindor is a great example. I think Francisco Lindor hustles 90% of the time. He is one of the better effort guys I've seen. Mike Piazza was a big effort guy too. He used to run out every ground ball, and I don't know if he got enough credit for it. David Wright, not as much. I'm going to call it like it is. Now, he never got booed for it because he's a homegrown guy, but there were ground balls left side of the infield. David took his time on, kind of jogged down the line. Mike Piazza, though, he and he was so slow, so it, sometimes it's tough to see it because he's like he's running in uh, quicksand. But Mike Piazza used to bust on every play. Lindor hustles 90% of the time. But then you've got guys, doesn't matter how much they hustle, they're getting paid a lot of money. They come with a reputation from another team. And unless they're great, they're going to hear it. And here's what I would tell Lindor. I don't know if you heard this story. Mike Piazza got traded to the New York Mets uh, in May of 1998. Mike Piazza came over here. The fan base is excited. They're all pumped up. Mike Piazza was a free agent at the end of the year. There was no guarantee Mike Piazza was going to remain a New York Met. And the time he was with the Mets in 98, he had 348. That's the highest batting average he ever had as a New York Met. He had 348. He had 23 home runs and 76 RBIs in 109 games. He had a 1,024 OPS, highest OPS he ever had as a New York Met. Mike Piazza heard booze a lot. In 1998. Now, think about that for a second. How the F did Mike Piazza hitting 348 with a 1,024 OPS ever hear booze? And it pissed me off to no end. As a 15-year-old, I would not start a fight because I'd get my ass kicked, but I would ask people, like, why why are you booing this guy? And the answer always was, because he don't come up with the big hit. Now, meanwhile, the guy's hitting 348. Like, was he never coming up with the big hit? The expectations for Mike Piazza when he first got here were so enormous that even upon hitting 348, he was getting booed. If Mike Piazza hitting 348 can get booed, then you bet your ass everybody who comes here with expectations will get booed. I'll tell you right now, let's not beat around the bush. Shohei Otani will get booed in this city because he's going to come here, if he ever did, with Elvis-like expectations. So Lindor, and I think he realizes it now, so I feel good about it, but Lindor now realizes, yeah, they're booing because I didn't hit a three-run home run. They're booing because I didn't do what the unreal expectations are. Now, Lindor also had a very bad first year. He deserved to hear some of those boos. Beltron had a bad first year. He deserved to hear some of those boos. But that's the difference between Pete Alonso and a superstar that's acquired, whether it's Shohei Otani or Juan Soto or whoever guy you want to come up with. When a guy develops in your system, they didn't come with crazy expectations. They just became the guy. When you acquire somebody, they have a resume. And I think a lot of times the booze they hear are about living up to that resume. So that was interesting. Lindor, it certainly seems like he gets it now. And that's great because he's got 500 years left on his contract. So I hope he does get it. Starling Marte's on the IL. Mark Vientos has been recalled for the Boston series. Will he play? I have no idea. None of us know. None of us know if Buck Showalter will actually let Mark Vientos play baseball. 
Tommy Pham is getting imaging on his groin. Bad, A, because Tommy Pham has become the everyday left fielder. And B, if he has to go on the injured list, I think that kills a trade deadline deal. We'll spend more time on the trade deadline next week in terms of what they should do, who they should target, or who should they sell. I think we're all kind of in agreement that this team's going nowhere, but there's different levels of selling. Selling Jose Quintana, which you probably can, or Carlos Carrasco is very different than selling David Robertson. If you sell David Robertson, you're done. You know we have no, we're not selling, but thinking, ah, we still have a shot. You sell your closer, your one competent reliever, pack the bags up. This thing's done. So we'll certainly spend more time on that next week. I'm actually going to Boston this weekend. I can't wait. I'm taking the family on Saturday afternoon to see Mets Red Sox, and I'm a game-time decision for Friday night because I'm spending the weekend in Boston. So the deal I made with my wife, Pete, was we are going to Boston on Friday. You may be listening to this, actually, while I'm in Boston. And then we'll reevaluate at 5 o'clock if I can take my oldest son to the game. If we're tired, if we want to go out to dinner, I guess I'll go out to dinner and watch the game at the hotel. But there is that possibility I'll spend Friday night at Fenway Park on top of the green monster because I may be efforting to get monster seats. I may have monster oh, seats. So, so, so wait a second. So you got the tickets that you were talking that you say you weren't going to splurge on? Yeah, I got pressured. I got pressured. Joe Beningo kind of pressured me into buying monster seats because they were available. I found them for an exorbitant amount of money, and I ended up buying them. I've also listed them on SeatGeek because I may not go. Like I'm not lying about – there's no guarantee I'm going to this game. So I bought them with an eye on I have to be able to move them because I can't drop that kind of money and then not go to the game. So between us, Pete, I think it's likely I'll end up at the game. Let's be fair about this. But I guess there's a possibility I sell them and don't go. I mean, it is experience to be on top of a green monster really far out in the left field. I mean, it is an experience. (laughs) (laughs) My whole point to Joe was, I don't think it's a great seat. And his point was, it's the green, bro, it's the green monster. You got to do it. Either way, I'll let you know. I'll let you guys know when we record the podcast. Remember, they play Sunday night, so our podcast Wrapping up the Red Sox series will be late Sunday night, very early Monday morning. And then Monday, don't miss it. Me and Tiki at 2 o'clock. The new show Pete's producing, Sal and BT at 10 a.m. So we'll have a a fun day on Monday after Yankees, Red Sox, and obviously Mets, Yankees. We got the Subway Series next week as well. This has been a rather long Rico. This may have been the longest Rico we've ever done. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, We do appreciate all the emails, including the in-game emotional emails at the Rico B at gmail.com. Have I missed anything by the way, Pete? Have I covered everything so far? I think so for this episode. I think you've covered everything right, possible. <laughs> we will do a lot of trade deadline next week. I promise. Uh, our focus has obviously been these games and the Mets effort to try to get back in this race, but certainly next week we'll go deep into the trade deadline, the buying, the selling and everything in between. We appreciate you listening and downloading. If you're in Boston, I'll see you there. Thank you. Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? 
Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.